Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk podcasts. This is your host, Susie Lewis, speaking from Toulouse. And in this episode of Let's Talk, we will be discussing sustainability, inclusive design, technology, and their role in creating impact and collective intelligence. Today, I am delighted to welcome Marco van Hout, the creative director and co-founder of the Digital Society School and the Global Goals Jam. Marco, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Susie. It's a pleasure. Marco, we met on the subject of Global Goals Jam and Sustainable Goals when Yelto and I ran the Global Goals Jam here in Toulouse in September. And the Digital Society School was doing the same thing in parallel to bring together sustainability, design and social impact. You devote a lot of your time and in fact career to creating engaging and impactful learning experiences and also bringing together the power of design, technology, sustainability and collective intelligence, essentially for a more inclusive world. I love what the Digital Society School, also referred to as DSS, stands for and what you do. And I would love to hear more about what inspired you to co-found the Digital Society School. Yeah, thanks, uh, Susie. Yeah, it's a full agenda if I hear yes. it. Yes, <laughs> only <laughs> small what? questions, only yeah. small questions. <laughs> but uh, Digital Society School, yeah, it started three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. It's uh, actually a very specific question from the Amsterdam Municipality. Uh, they came to our university, University of Applied Sciences in Amsterdam, with the question of how can we actually fill the gap of talent that we have, especially digital talent, digital talent gap in our city. Mm-hmm. And they were specifically focused on digital talent with, you know, IT skills, uh, ICT skills, um, coding, coders, developers, etc. But we saw this as an opportunity to perhaps also take the movement that was also emerging in Amsterdam on uh, design, technology, entrepreneurship, and especially this strong community of, you know, people wanting change, transformation, and ethically integrated technology. Yeah. We have a few famous philosophers also in the Netherlands, especially in Amsterdam, that focus on ethics. And we wanted to include that specifically in this, in this question for the digital talent gap, because we think you know, it's not just about coding skills. Mm-hmm. It's also about how you integrate that technology. And yeah? so it's not the raw technology itself. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to, to merge those two worlds immediately, like digital transformation meets planetary uh, societal transformation. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that we were already working very hard on uh, integrating design methodology with um, sustainable development. Mm-hmm. And we're at the time already working with uh, the United Nations Development Program. Mm-hmm. And we thought it would be... If we use that kind of methodology and that kind of mindset with this question for the digital talent gap, we have some something here. Yeah? So we have a, yeah. like a very fertile ground for it. Absolutely. So we started asking ourselves a few fundamental questions. Mm-hmm. I wrote them down here so because, of course, by heart, by head is, uh, uh, let's see. So first fundamental question we asked is how can societies, cities, organizations, and above all, people, benefit from the most advancements uh, in digital technology? And how mm-hmm. can then companies respond to those most effectively uh, effectively to the digital transformation of society? Mm-hmm. So how can they ensure their products and services then benefit people, planet, and of course, also their profit? And uh, what are the best methods to teach students and professionals to integrate digital technology in society? Mm-hmm. Even if they are not speci- specialized in designing or creating digital technology? Yeah. And how can a like ours, not only educate people, but also play a guiding role in the creation of solutions for greater societal challenges. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to, to merge all that together 
and now we provide all generations with the skills and knowledge uh, uh, to create this kind of inclusive digital society. And, and to do that, we build and foster a, a community of trainees, of professionals, of, of academics uh, who want to integrate this digital technology into society. Mm-hmm. And we use human-centered design approaches specifically, yeah. but also technology, of course. But yeah. in, in even though people sometimes interpret digital society school as the school where uh, every, anything is digital, everything mm-hmm. is digital, it's basically everything around it. Eh? So digital for us is the context. Uh, what we do is, is all about transformation, ethics, yeah, human capabilities, uh, um, uh, sustainable development, etc. So, yeah, I, I think going from that basic question to this vast you know, plan that we had has been quite successful uh, up until now. And um, the city is very much involved. Uh, the university is very much involved. And a lot of companies uh, around us are also very much involved. And this is, of course, yeah, the, the recipe for success, for transformation, that everybody's involved. Yeah, of course. And I love the fact that, you know, you're, you're framing digital as the context and that it's really about uh, people and, and human-centered ways of working. In the same way, I like your take on the ethics of technology and, and how that should serve the digital talent gap and essentially societal advancement. What's your biggest and most exciting challenge then in trying to equip all generations and all areas of society with an offer? Well, in itself, it's already a big challenge. But yeah. of course, <laughs> what you see is, is that we are going digital, uh, mm. perhaps even faster than ever now with the pandemic also. Oh, yeah. mm. But at the same time, this digital transformation is, is disrupting society more profoundly also. Eh? So in a way, uh, it's very much positive. Mm. We see all these concerns that are growing about its effects uh, on matters such as you know jobs, inequality, our well-being, prosperity. And, and our safety. Yeah. And uh, this really shows that it's really about the transformation of society rather mm. than, again, uh, like I said before, the digital components themselves. Mm. Uh, digitization is the context. Transformation is the true objective. Absolutely. So, so the, the, the pace of change is exponential. The, the complexity of problems is, is intertwined, interconnected, um, mm. you might say systemic, yeah? The key objective in, in solving these systemic issues is, is transformation. Mm. And the key learnable skill is to design for transformation. Absolutely. Power to really learn, to relearn while we evolve and adapt ourselves. Yeah. And then if I, if I answer your biggest uh, challenge question, yeah. so it's not only the focus is shift towards real transformation, Mm. But perhaps even more that you know the definition of what learning means in this day and age, <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> so especially at global scale. Yeah. What is learning? And we are now in a time, I think, where we are trying to come up with new methods yeah. of uh, of this kind of successful global scale cooperation. Mm. But how can we make that into a global learning society yeah. where we aim and accelerate this ability to understand uh, mm. and direct our resources towards solutions and. Yeah. Is global learning society and, and ways to prevent all this knowledge or design process waste mm. because everybody is doing their own thing yes. across the world, across the globe. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest challenge where it used to be migration that would diffuse the knowledge around the world. And now we are, at the same time, we think we are hyper-connected, but you also see that we are closing up. So yeah. the, diffu- the real diffusion of knowledge, the real diffusion of learning is actually put to a hold, uh, I would say. And that's what I see around the world. And I think 
that's where we have a responsibility also as educators. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to unpack all of that a little bit, but I'll start with your biggest challenge, which is learning. Uh, the sort of, I agree with you, learning, unlearning and relearning and that process cognitively is one of our biggest challenges, both individually, but also as society. And I think the fact that you're working on lifelong learning is brilliant because for me, organizations also need to start thinking about how they can incorporate this into their culture, but also into their learning and development departments and how to scale those leadership skills across their organizations. Would you have any advice to organizations on how they should go about doing this? Yeah, of course. Um, well, at least um, advice from the experience that we have uh, yeah. at the moment. So not only do organizations need to organize capabilities, Mm-hmm. workforce uh, they, they we think that they also need to organize the culture that makes it possible to experiment yeah. those capabilities and that's mm-hmm. what happens a lot so the brief is one thing and the work floor is another yeah. uh, <laughs> this is exactly what if you look at um, and you have worked in that area so chief digital officers yeah they are known for actually leaving the company after two years and that's not because <laughs> not because they're they're not important it's because they they don't feel the ground where they can build their innovative approach mm-hmm. from. And so at first they are applauded when the capabilities are built, but they are then chained to the workflow, you might say, when yeah. it comes to the space for experimentation. And, and this drains and uh, any organizational change, any cultural change. So, mm-hmm. so my advice, I, I would say, is to build a culture for experimentation mm-hmm. uh, before you hire people, before you work on those capabilities. And, and we do that with, uh, with companies and industry through mm-hmm. uh, joint projects with trainees okay. all over the world. And we show them how you can actually experiment. So we have this kind of neutral ground where we experiment together with companies, together with professionals from companies. Yeah, that's how they can learn um, mm-hmm. how to involve an, an experimental uh, culture in a company. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when you have that culture, on top of that, you need to build capabilities and skills. Oh, yes. Yeah. But it's, it's the other way around than what most people think. Yes, yes, I agree. And I think that's also why we're both big fans of design thinking. I mean, I come back to design thinking because when you talk about experimental culture, I think, you know, the cognitive processes behind design thinking and human-centered design thinking allow us to demystify the sort of complex topics such as cultural change or sustainability and to get some tangible outcomes in a shorter space of time. So, I mean, what, what's your take on design thinking and its place in this landscape? Because a lot of organizations train their people in design thinking, but it doesn't seem to necessarily lead to them uh, creating an experimentation culture. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's also why I, I, perhaps I've never really actively used the term design thinking. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I have been practicing it. And of course, I'm a, I'm a design professional and I've been uh, in the design field over uh, at least uh, 15 years or longer even. But um, but yeah, I think the, the focus on transformation, the focus on, on complexity, uh, the need for this global outlook in the ordered world, like I just said, eh, where everybody's doing their own things. Mm. I think we need something else than design thinking because there the, the focus is very much on the process and, yeah. and the solutions. Yeah. I think we need what, what we call transformation design. Mm-hmm. And transformation design really calls for this multidisciplinary, interconnected, systemic organization of our creative forces. And, and it, it shows us how it should make us move away from this kind of single point solution strategies. 
And I truly believe this is the way forward, you know? Yeah, yeah, I yes, we, we're agreed on that. I would I would love you to tell us a little bit more about the transformation design though. What does it entail? Yeah, so a couple of things. Yeah, I, I would say there, there are some roadblocks that are holding us back uh, from really transforming. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically, you could say that design is very much focused on, on change yeah. and, and more than it is on transformation. And, mm-hmm. and, and you want to know the differences. Eh? You can say that change is really about fixing the past and eh? you're changing something. <laughs> while transformation is really focused on creating attractive futures. So it's something less known and yeah? you work on something futuristic mm. that change really asks often what is wrong with this how can we fix it how can we change it mm. uh, and transformation really asks what if we do this um, yeah. if what if change is really about how then if i have a solution how can it be adopted yeah and transformation really calls on our ability to to ask what things mean what does it mean when i do this mm. what happened and that's one thing. So change and transformation. And then mm-hmm. the other thing is that we treat things very much complex things. We often treat them as, as if they were complicated. <laughs> and one of those things again. Eh? So when you say complex and complicated, they are often used inter- yeah, uh, interchangeably, but mm. um, mean different things. And Absolutely. Uh, for example, in um, when you have AI, Mm-hmm. You, um, uh, I often use this example. I, I read once uh, from China where people would, would uh, cross the streets illegally and jaywalk, and then they would have this AI system. So they treated this problem as if it were complicated. Yeah, we could, you know, people are jaywalking. We can fix that. It's mm-hmm. something we can change. We have a solution for that. We put the, our AI system in it. We have um, the ability to recognize people on the street with our AI, of course, talk about privacy, et cetera, but um, it's what the system did. So they would actually find out who was jaywalking and then send them a fine to their home address. <laughs> okay. uh, so they would be fined by the system. But of course, that would be a solution if it were a complicated problem. But of course, the, the street is, is more complex than that and people's yes. behavior are more complex than that. So mm. what happened was it would also send a fine to a person who was actually never on the streets because it was a rich person who would not jaywalk at all because they would have a, a personal driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happened was their, uh, this person's face was on a bus passing by the system. <laughs> so it would, <laughs> it would recognize that person. So the system was not equipped on handling more complexity than if, uh, you know, just one person on the street jaywalking. Yeah. And this is what happens a lot with design and, and design thinking, I think. And yes. that's why you should you should imagine more than what you do while looking at the, the problem at hand. Yeah. Mm. I love that distinction between complicated and complex because it is one of the biggest challenges of today's world, isn't it? The complexity part. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's some of course it's in everybody's uh, vocabulary at the moment. Yeah. Complex. Uh, system systemic change and it's something we need but um how do you approach that and mm. and and that's where transformation design comes in what we say in our course the, the course that we have just developed and uh, will launch uh, in april so mm-hmm. we on course on transformation design it really talks about re-adaptive learning which is really about yeah learning relearning and knowing how to evolve and adapt at the same time then it really talks about how, if you do that, how can you create a sustainable, diverse culture mm-hmm. or a culture of diversity that actually works for a sustainable future? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then of course all the the, the principles of transformation also come into play. And specifically, we also work on how to create this culture of experimentation. Mm-hmm. And all of these things together, they are a bit broader than just the design thinking process. <laughs> Clearly. And, and, and therefore more suitable for this kind of complex yeah, systemic change, uh, we believe. Mm. And of course, what is very important is that we don't treat this as a process again. Yeah. Uh, it's not a, a step one, two, three. It's mm. something that you really learn and have to to yeah, adapt mm. continuously also to this process so, so you're taking people through a process where they have to design for the future essentially so they have to deal with the fact that that's complex that it's probably uncertain and that they have to learn and unlearn during the process definitely yeah exactly sounds fabulous and what's been your proudest moment so far in the transformation design field <laughs> yeah if, if i think of my digital society uh, school time mm. um i don't really have one particular moment of course the launch is always a uh, one of yeah. those yeah but I th- if i think about it you might say that it, it it involves the mobilization of people yeah so every time we have this new cohort of, of trainees from all over the world joining us even now online it makes mm. me super proud to see all their faces i can imagine a uh, hundred every year uh, that go through our um, our program every time uh, we have an edition of the global goals jam and uh, mm-hmm. what we started uh, five years ago uh, with the united nations development program that that really grew from 17 cities to over 95 cities around the world thousands of people yeah that's that brilliant really, really, and especially if they come from the farthest corners of the world that really mm-hmm. makes me super proud and Every time professionals join our courses and, mm. and they showcase their motivation to be part of the game. Yeah. And we always talk about the game because it's the game that we we play to keep on playing, not mm. to, not to win. So it's a yeah, it's absolutely. game. And and um and every time uh, our team, um, my team of the digital side school, yeah, they fly out often because we mm. our model is trending to ending, is what we call it. Okay, what does that mean? Well, we believe that if if you you get in talent. You should also, uh, so you you have them in your community and then they stay in the community, but they don't stay in our organization. Okay, so every super. three years, mm-hmm. they fly out to different places and uh, we get new people in. So this is also a proud moment where they land, they land in corporates, they land in the academic world, but they 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 all have the same tools and methodologies that they take with them. And it's a, it's a big learning curve for us also mm. to hear back from them what they do with mm. it. That's, that's a great way to spread impact though, isn't it? And, you know, get like-minded people to sort of scale the change you want to scale. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's, it's the people. And again, like I said in the beginning, yeah. the diffusion of knowledge used to go uh, with people migrating to different parts in the world. Yeah. That's basically what we're doing again. So yeah. <laughs> we're starting that global learning society with people, again, migrating from uh, a core of learning to different places. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they've got the fundamental belonging that they need to a community to feel that, yeah. you know, they, they're empowered to do that and to, and to spread that impact. Has your vision changed since you set up the Digital Society School? Yeah, you might say that. Let me see how much it changed. <laughs> well, as a, as a designer, I, I have always focused on people. Human-centered design, user experience design, emotional design was my topic for many years. Oh, uh, very much focused on on actually the experience that people would have. Yeah? So mm-hmm. I would say that yeah, I would have like 
my, my perspective would be from uh, design solutions. Mm-hmm. So and now I see, I think it's not the design itself that has the biggest impact. It's, it's you know, people in our planet are still in the center, yeah. but now we want to design the transformations rather mm-hmm. than the solutions. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, solving the issues is one thing, but then it never really lasts because um, it's just a one trick thing. Um, you, you solve it, but for how long? Mm-hmm. And I believe now more than in training people in this readaptive learning mm-hmm. and being able to evolve and adapt at the transformation again. So what I really want to do is and achieve is uh, uh, to expand our learning community around the world and to create this global chain of transformation yeah. through learning experiences that transform people and again then diffuse themselves around the world. Uh, yeah. Fabulous. I, I love that vision. I've seen that you also do quite a lot on the subject of diversity and inclusion. What What is the place of diversity and inclusion for you in this transformation design? Yeah. So, so in a way, you could say that we are not, of course, only limited by how we think, the way we act or what we do. So we are for, first and foremost uh, limited by the way we interact <laughs> with each other. So that is why I think diversity is such an important element. And yeah look at the sustainable development goals and their transformations, they really cut across the separate goals. And so mm-hmm. not only one goal, they, they really relate to each other mm-hmm. and they cut across that and across disciplines, across countries, cultures. So you, how can you actually design or direct yourself towards sustainability without being diverse and inclusive? And so the playing yeah. field need, needs to be diverse and inclusive. Otherwise, why are you doing it? Absolutely. And you won't have impact. So an, an organization can be said to be diverse when it welcomes employees of different backgrounds. And in, in our introduction, we just mentioned it also yes. before the recording. But yeah. uh, inclusion really refers to the extent to which this diverse workforce is, is, is giving agency Absolutely. In, in decision making, etc. And I think uh, representation then is only really impactful and a shared feeling of real belonging is created among those individuals. That's why it's vital for organizations to start facilitating this and not mm-hmm. only look at the numbers, look at the demographics of diversity. And, and is, is this included in your discussion with organizations on how to create a culture of experimentation or not? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. So the way we do it, of course, is by showing it uh, with our groups of trainees. Yeah. So they work in, in, in groups of four to five uh, in teams uh, with, with the companies and then Professionals are also included uh, from the companies mm-hmm. and they will have to work immediately with a group of people that comes from all over the world, different age groups. So we, we have like a creative director from Japan of 50 uh, working with a bachelor student from the Netherlands. Uh, of 19. And yeah. so diversity is immediately a, a factor. Mm-hmm. And that's what you also see. Uh, so often companies, they have to get used to that. And mm-hmm. in the beginning, they... They really, first it's fun, and then it's difficult, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. in the end, it's 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 a, a transformational experience. They would, you know, they come back to us and say, "Wow, this was really, I learned so much just by having conversations with these trainees." Yeah. So it's not only in our conversation; it's also what we show them. Absolutely, and it it reminds me of uh, the move that organizations are currently undergoing, shifting to a sort of flatter, more networked teal organization, because I think that's a large part of it, of, you know, learning and un- unlearning and relearning about who you learn from and what you learn and, and what that space looks like. Yeah, mm. I agree. And, and uh, 
these teal organizations, um, they are perfect actually for this kind of playing field. Yes. And so um, I think um, that's why we are also organized like that. Mm. And what, what do you see coming out of organizations as a reaction to that way of working? Yeah, well, like I said, often it's first confusion. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it's like um, an, an aha, <laughs> like yeah. hey, this is interesting. What is the most difficult part is that often then the projects are uh, finished and, and mm. of course you move on. Mm. So for us, it's one of the biggest challenges now to also being able to keep in touch with these organizations. And um, sometimes they, they hire uh, the trainees. Yeah. Also happens. And then of course you kind of, uh, well, perhaps they think we, we're including now our, the diversity and inclusion, <laughs> uh, getting the person in. And of course, this is a little bit of a misconception. So I yeah. would say for us, the biggest challenge is now to, to re, uh, really design the next steps after the projects finish, mm-hmm. after uh, the organizations have really yeah, like indicated to us like, hey, we really want to continue in this way. Mm-hmm. But then again, like I said before, uh, it's also up to them to really organize this kind of fertile ground for cultural change in their organization. Yeah. So it's not only, again, about getting something from outside, you really have to mm. change something from within first. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And they yeah, need to absolutely own it. That. So, yeah, mm. of course, yeah. own it. Mm. This is probably quite a hard question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> what, what has been your biggest learning so far since you founded the DSS? Yeah, many, of course. I mean, mm. uh, as a person, you learn all the time. Of Otherwise, course. why would I advocate this? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I think I think even myself, I treated certain challenges as, as being complicated problems, as if, if they were complicated, uh, with one-directed solutions and not as the complex systems that they are. Mm. For example, I remember in the Global Goals Jam, in the early editions, we introduced this um, uh, toolkit. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would also always advocate um, that the Global Goals Jam is really about having different locations in the world working together, sharing knowledge, sharing methodology, sharing the process so that they would prevent design waste. Mm. And design waste, in my definition, is not the physical waste. It's the waste of the process, the insights, the the Mm. results, not sharing it nor finding it. And um, I thought, okay, this application would help um, where we um, have teams all over the world choose methods Mm. and methods they uh, document the results in the application and then they would also be able to share it so mm. if another would choose the same method this person would or, or, or team would see okay hey this other team has used it before uh, in a different part of the world they came with this results what can i do with that yeah so i thought oh this is uh, this is amazing and eh? so it's kind of like a solution that came from my earlier designer self mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but what happened that what was that nobody was really ready for use uh, for using this in their in their process? So, yes. them those two three days of the global goals jam was all about making connections, mm. in uh, you know having this kind of uh, experience. They couldn't be bothered with the application. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a, like a big learning for me, like seeing okay, I, I should you know step away from this one type one directional solutions. Mm. And look more at the system as a whole. So what what do you want to achieve with this? And what are people actually looking for in that community? I mean, it's a great example of testing assumptions, though, isn't it? Definitely. <laughs> Brilliant. So you're, you're essentially designing for the future, 
But uh, the assumption was that the application would be something they're interested in. And finally, as we just discussed, it's the experience that they're interested in, the human connection. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Fabulous. <laughs> Marco, time is running. I would have one last question. What would be your last call to action for our listeners? So uh, let me see. <laughs> so the complexity of these global challenges mm-hmm. and that would just to mention also climate change, migration, of course, the global pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why at, at Digital Science School we use the SDGs, yeah, the Sustainable Development mm-hmm. Goals, as common ground. Mm-hmm. So why I believe in this multidisciplinary, multicultural, multi-generational teams, mm-hmm. and it's why building an inclusive digital society in, is the heart of our vision. And not mm-hmm. only from the perspective of people, but also from the perspective of life in general and the planet. So to create a safe and just space for humanity mm-hmm. with our planetary boundaries. Um, my call to action for leaders is to become part of uh, what the book of uh, Douglas Ruskoff also says, Team Human. And so yes, I like that. Not, do it alone anymore, not to do things in isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to go beyond borders. Like I just said with the, with the methodology, so people were in the Global Goals and were looking for connection. So the mm-hmm. key here is to connect, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yes? To connect first and then work on this, this learning experiences that we create together. So it's not mm-hmm. us as educators. We have to create that together. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, become part of Team Human. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to leave our listeners with that call to action. Connect and become part part of Team Human. Thank you so much, Marco, for coming and inspiring us and for sharing your insight and experience. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? Well, obviously, I will now name a few of our uh, URLs. Yeah? So, yes. <laughs> so digitalsocietyschool.org, also the globalgoalsjam.org is a, fun, a, a wonderful uh, resource. Have a look at all the courses that we give. All of them are online at the moment, so uh, you can just subscribe and join and uh, follow it. Yeah, we have designacrosscultures.org, which really talks about how to work together across cultures, across um, yeah, crossing borders. I think if you look at those, of course, you can look up my name, Marco van Hout, and connect on LinkedIn or whatever. I am always open for any connection, like I just said. <laughs> it's all about the experience, team human. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Thank you very much, Marco, once again. My pleasure. It was a wonderful uh, conversation. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, please head over to iTunes and give us your opinion. So it's bye from me for now and see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk. <laughs>